Job chapter number 38. I'm going to start from verse number 1 again. This is a, a conversation God had with a man. And uh, the man must have provoked God. Because normally God doesn't talk like this. Now sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you have to read it in context. You have to read it in picture form. See, I, I always say that I'm not very clever. So for me to understand, uh, why are you looking at me that way? <laughs> for me to understand something very clearly, I like to read it in picture form. Because when I watch a movie, I don't forget. But when I read something, I forget. So I read it in cinematic form. I'm trying to teach you how to read your Bible and understand it. So that you can interact with the, 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 the letters and the uh, words you're reading. So this is, uh, I'm giving the backdrop to the story. Somebody, a guy named Job, was having a conversation with God, and he must have uh, offended God, or he must have said something that God, got God angry. So God said, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. You see, when the whirlwind comes, it means God is angry. So anytime you see the whirlwind, that means God is not happy. Because the only other time we saw the whirlwind was when Elijah, remember, he said, I'm the only one left. So God doesn't come by whirlwind by heart. So he, he, it means that he's, you know when you're angry, and the Bible says, by the blast of his nostrils, the world was created. So when God, <laughs> even when his, his, his breath goes up, it creates a whirlwind. So he, said, he answered in the whirlwind, who is that question? Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. If you know so much, Mr. Know-it-all, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the survey line? Who supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thickness, thick darkness. For I locked it behind barrel gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made the daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It rubbed it's robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that raised in violence. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. 
So we saw God asking Job a few questions. Say, if you think you know so much and you are questioning my authority as God, really, if you want to understand a backdrop, you may have to read a few chapters before because Job was crying about how life, God has allowed Satan to buffet him and things haven't worked and he was lamenting basically and that got God's back up and God had to tell him off. But I want you to go back, back up to a few, a few verses Let's, before, uh, maybe start from 10. He says, for I locked it, he's talking about the sea, for I locked it and limiting the shores, 11. I said, this far and no more, further will you come. Here, your proud way, okay, 12. He said, this is the question, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? That's the first question. You see, God is trying to give Job a solution to his problem after telling him off. The first thing he said to, said to him was, have you commanded your morning? Then number two, next, next verse. Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth, bringing to an end the night's wickedness. How would God ask a man, a mere man, have you commanded, have you commanded the morning? And number two, have you commanded the daylight to bring the end of the night's violence? Which means that the man has the, the ability to command the morning and command the daylight. Otherwise, God won't ask that question. But if man has no right to, to command the morning, then why ask the man to command the morning? But God is trying to give Job a solution to his problem. The first one, he says that, have you commanded them? Which means that if you command the morning, your situation will change. And number two, if the daylight, if you command the daylight to bring to an end the night's wickedness, the night's wickedness will end. Are you with me? Number th next verse. As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay, which means that when the light comes, darkness disappears. This reminds me of a scripture in John chapter 1, verse 5. He says that he shines the darkness, he shines the light, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can comprehend it not. Isn't it? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can comprehend it, which means that if you bring light into the situation, darkness will have to cease. Are you with me? Which also presupposes that we have the power to bring light into any dark situation. Hello? How many agree with what I'm saying? That you have, if whatever night you are facing, you have the power to command it. And that power is hidden in commanding the morning and commanding the day. And said, so we started talking about a few things we must know about the morning. How many remember? What was the first thing we said about the morning? The early hours of the morning has very, very serious spiritual influences. Amen. 
do you know that all these uh, occultic people and all these witches and uh, uh, what do you call it, voodoo people and everything, their main time of operation is in the early hours of the morning. How many know that? You see, the, the, the Bible says in Hosea chapter uh, 4 verses, my people perish because of what? Because we don't, we as Christians, we, we, we don't, we read the Bible, we have the power, but we don't operate it. So others use the same thing, principles, inversely, and it has effect on us. Are, are you with me? He said that the, the, the early hour of the, of the, has serious spiritual influences. See, when, I'm talk, when I talk about the morning, I don't want you to misunderstand me. The morning can be the beginning of something. So the morning can be the beginning of your marriage. It's the morning of your marriage. Are you with me? Your first day at work is the morning of the, the workplace. Have you commanded that, that morning? Do you go to just go and say, hello, my name is, I've come. Then they take you around, they shake everybody's hand, and they give you your, your table and your chair. You sit down and you start working. Is that what you do? That is not what the occults do. That is not what those who know spiritual things do. Because they know that the morning has very great influence. Because whoever commands the morning has the power to, to detect what happens. Hallelujah. We read last week in, in 1 Samuel 17, how many remember, when we were talking about Goli uh, the story of uh, Goliath and the Philistine, he came in the morning when Israel was unaware. And then he took position in Shoko. He took the vantageous position and he then detected the, the type of war we're going to fight. The conventional type of war is that when... Um, Two, people, uh, two enemies are going to fight. Two, two countries or two nations are fighting. They, they, this one stands here. This one, they blow the, the horn. This one charges from this side. This one charges from this side. And then they meet and then they fight in the middle. And then last man standing means they've won. Or the one who has more people left is the one who has won. Isn't that how the conventional warfare is? But here is the case. Goliath is detecting and he says that, no, no, no. Why do you come to me? Us. But did we come to you? They didn't, they, they reacted to what the Philistines had done. And then he says that no, select from yourself, amongst yourself, a champion and come and face me. If you are able to defeat me, we will serve you. If I'm able to defeat you, then you will serve us. But how many of us is a giant, nine foot? How many amongst us is nine foot? We don't have a nine foot person amongst us. But you, Goliath, you are a nine foot tall man. I mean, I'm six one. So just imagine. Add three. Assuming, I don't think this is three. But assuming this is three, it means his head is somewhere here. How many of us are that tall and that big? So why do you choose a type of warfare that we know we are not going to win? But you see, that is how Satan acts. He's a bully. And every bully will, will, will detect to you 
what they want. And so God is saying to, to Job that, listen, you have to command the morning and the daylight. You have to stand your ground. So at the beginning of, of the year, we need to take charge and command the day. So the day is, if you like, June, July, August. We have to take charge. So you, you have to detect what the, your year is going to be like. On your knees, command the morning. Speak to the morning. That this is going to be my best year yet. This is going to be the year I get married. This is going to be the year that everything works for me. This is the year that I'll get, I'll get a house. I'll buy my own house. This is the decade that will be the best decade in my life. You command it from the get-go. And throughout the day, enforce it. Hallelujah. Most of us, we don't do that. And so Goliath decides the type of warfare. And if we don't have a David, you see, let's read the story. I'm going to show you another part of the story that we didn't talk about last week. Come with me to first Samuel. So I take it that we've read all up to verse 11, isn't it? We got to verse 9. Say, choose a man for, from yourselves and let him come and come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then I will become, will be your servant. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servant and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of, of Israel this day. Give me a man that may fight, that we may fight together. And Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, and they were afraid or dismayed and greatly feared. Now, let's move to verse 42. Then the Philistine looked down and saw David. He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, where am I? Before Valerie disrupted me. 42, 40. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by the gods. So now the Philistine has introduced another level of warfare. The first one, he has overridden the conventional warfare, which is two armies fighting together. And he has detected that let a man come and fight me. Don't let the armies fight. Let us two, only two people fight. And if we are able to beat you, then you serve us. If you are able to beat us, we'll serve you. Which has been agreed. Now a, a young man comes out and he says that I am cursing you by the God. So he's brought a spiritual aspect to the fight. Are you with me? Remember the first time when he, he, they came, Israel had to respond. When he decided that we were going to fight singular warfare instead of the whole army, Israel has agreed. Now he has introduced a spiritual dimension into the fight. Listen to what David say, says. Are you, are you there? 
Then the Philistines said to David, come, I will come to me. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, a sword and a spear, and a, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. What this guy has done now, David has done now, is that David has taken a higher position. Because he came with the gods, little g. If David had fought without employing the Lord of hosts, and the word Lord of hosts, circle it if you, you have a proper Bible. You can circle. When, when you have a digital Bible, I don't know whether you can circle it. Because when anytime you hear the introduction of the name of God as the Lord of hosts, it means he's coming for battle. He's coming to fight. You will see the same name introduced when Joshua was about to fight in that small town, AI. Do you remember? The Lord God of hosts. It means now David has taken a higher position than the gods that Goliath is coming with. Hallelujah. Then, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So now he has changed it. He has switched. He has brought a higher dimension, higher than what Goliath brought. And he said that you haven't defied us. You have defied him. So it's now his fight. Not our fight. Are you getting it? So now it's like he's not only commanding the morning. They weren't able to command the morning, but he's manipulating the day. Are you getting what I'm saying? David is manipulating the day. I'm going to speak to the day. This fight is not my fight. This fight is the fight of the Lord of hosts. The army, the God of the army that you have defied. You didn't defy me, you defied God. Hallelujah. Then, this day, the Lord would deliver. You see, now he's talking to the day. Can you see it? He said that this day, the Lord would deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give you the carcass. No, go back. I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts. No, he has now added the whole army. You see, anytime you command, you are in charge. Anytime you react to somebody's command, they are in charge. You are not in charge. Are you with me? That is why as Christians, we must be very vocal. Listen, our greatest instrument is our mouth and our faith. Hallelujah. That is the greatest instrument we have. The problem is that in spite of how much we pray, our mouth always speaks negative, which contradicts our prayer. See, what we don't realize is that your greatest weapon is your mouth. And it didn't say your mouth in prayer. It said your mouth. What you say, you shall have it. 
Amen. So when you go to Mark eleven twenty four, you see, see that he starts talking about if you say to this mountain, be removed, and you say, and you say, and you say, you shall have what you say. He didn't say you shall have what you pray. He said you shall have what you say. Let, let us stop talking negative. No, as for me, I don't think I'll ever get married. No, I have just finished fasting and praying. <laughs> 21 days of fasting and prayer with one loose talk. You have canceled the whole fast. With all, you should have ate. <laughs> you should have found something to eat. Because that one loose talk cancels everything. Oh, you are talking to your girlfriend. You see, when you are talking to somebody, your, your girlfriend, you just sometimes lose your head. You see, when you have a negative type of friend who's always talking in the negative, it, it, it almost invites you to also talk in the negative. That's why you have to be careful with the person you relate with. Because the person is always negative, but before you realize, you, 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 it's not very easy to be positive around somebody who speaks negative all the time. So when the person is negative, negative, you also start being negative. And then you, you cancel out everything. Everything you have said. Because you have, your day is not being commanded right. So you see that. And that is why God got angry with Job. Because he was confessing. You remember when he, all his friends came around him and were so much negative, negative, negative. He also and his wife and everybody was negative around him. And it was true that everything around him was bad. But the Bible says that let the weak say. And let the poor say. So he says that call the things that be not as though they so God is saying that, listen, even though your circumstance is bleak, don't address your circumstance by what you see, but address your circumstance by what God says. Hallelujah. What is God saying about your circumstance? That is what you must confess. Hallelujah. Look at this young 17-year-old boy. Looking at the 38-year-old man and saying that, come, I will give your and the man is this tall. And the boy is this tall. And he said, I will give your body to the birds. And then he includes the whole army. And as for this whole army, they are going to be lunching meat for the birds of the air. Hallelujah. That you may know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, your victory is in God's interest. Oh, I, I think you missed a very good place to put your hands together. I think you missed a good place. I don't know whether you were, you were in the church or you had gone home. But, but you see, your victory is not just for you. I don't know about you, but those of us who are parents in this room, tell me when your child does something great and maybe succeeds in something. Between you and your child, who feels more proud? Hello? Like your child has just maybe gotten a first class or gotten uh, maybe uh, he's been elected as a prime minister or something. Who feels proud? Who, 
Who is the one who feel more proud? Listen, the parents feel prouder than the recipient themselves. Are you with me? When the day you wear your gown, you are going to receive your, your certificate. Listen, the people who are at the back, they are the ones with the bells and the whistles. Do you understand? And then, because you, for you, it's just one of those things. You just go and then, yeah, I've done. You're happy, but it's one of those things. But for your parent, it's an achievement for me to have watched you. I used to teach you A, B, C, and now you are masters, MSc, something, something, and now I finished in Psalm 7. I am, it feels like I also have an MSc. Hallelujah. That is how God feels when you succeed. Oh, I, I don't think you heard what I'm saying. That is how God feels when you succeed. That is how God feels when you get married. That is how God feels when you, 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 you do something, something very, very great. Hallelujah. That is how God feels. So see, God is willing us on more than we are willing ourselves on. God wants us desperately to succeed more than we want to succeed. Hallelujah. He, want, he really wants us to succeed. He's willing us on. Yeah. So that the earth may know who your daddy is. You see that in the graduation, as you are coming out, you see your father doesn't go, go pass you. As soon as he passes, your father says, as soon as he passes, he says, that's my boy. And when you see somebody, yeah, yeah, that's my boy, my boy. He just graduated. You see, they'll be keeping the picture of your graduation. And as the, the neighbors are mowing the lawn, oh, did you see my son? He just graduated. He got the first class in MSc something, something, something. As if you did the MSc with him. Hallelujah. Amen. But that's how God is. That's how God is. He's willing. Do you think God was asleep when they gathered in Shoko? No. Do you think that God didn't want Israel to prosper and be victorious when they came and shouted to defy the, uh, the, the Israelites? Calling them cowards. Do you think God was asleep? Yeah. But was God loud? He was silent. Why? Because the onus was on Israel to take the step to command the morning and to command the day. Because they refused to command the morning and command the day, God was also praying, oh, let there be a David who will come. Who knows me? Who knows my heart? Who will stand and, 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 and he will put my word up and bring me into the battle? Listen, if David had not brought God into the battle, Israel would have lost. And it would not have been the fault of God. Can this explain why some of us have lost some battles? Because you didn't command the day. When you were going through, you didn't bring God in. So even though God wanted to be part of the fight and God wanted to rejoice in your victory with you, he could not do so. Why? Because you didn't bring him in. Hallelujah. 
I think I'm preaching better than you are amening. Hallelujah. Where are we? 47. Then all the, all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword or and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give unto you into our hands. Ah, that's where that, that scripture came from. So it was, somebody say, so it was. So it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. You see, sometimes we are defeated because of fear. Listen, fear is a spirit. Can I say something to somebody? The reason why you are defeated most of the time is because of fear. What if? See, some of us, by our temperament, we are thinkers. How many are like that? You are thinkers. And how many, oh, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. How many of you whose hands are up will be honest to say that most of the thinking that you think is negative, in the negative? Give me a, still keep your hand up. If you are like that, keep, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Yeah. What if, you see, most people who have the what if mindset, what if mindset, they always what if in the negative. It's a natural human thing. And it's never what if it succeeds. It's always what if it goes wrong. Yeah. What if this guy who says he wants to marry me, what if he's not the right person? What, what if he's the right person? Have you thought of that? Most melancholics will tell you. See, that is how come sanguines, they don't think much. Yeah, they don't think much. It's like they are happy. Going, you see, if, if you get a combination of a choleric sanguine, you are, that's the best combination. Because he's happy, but he has a force. He's going. So it's like, we are going. And see, that choleric sanguine attitude is a faith attitude. Because I'm going. Sometimes they haven't really thought through it. Critically. To see whether <laughs> this thing that we are going to do, whether it will work or not. You know, they haven't really thought, but you see, because they have the choleric backing, that is, we are going anyway. I remember in school, we used to do something called mock parliament. I don't know whether you did something like that. So it's like we have political parties and then people campaign and everything. And in my time in school, that was when we had just finished all these schools, you know. So during the uh, political campaign, one team was winning. And one guy who was in the opposition who wanted to be, desperately wanted to be the, the president because that, the, the Saturday was going to be, uh, they had uh, this uh, afternoon jam that some girls' schools were coming. He wanted to come as a president. So he didn't know, his was, 
He was very motivated to get, but if they, they vote, they will never vote him. So he, he organized a few guys that they should do a coup. And those times we used to have, you know, like sachet, sachet. We didn't have sachet water. We have like water you tie. That was the, the gun. So when they hit you and water comes on you, you are not part of the mock parliament again. It means you have died. So it means he carried a lot. He had a lot. Then he, all these guys they were in the bush. They were planning the bush. So his, his name was Da Costa. So he got to the, they started. The, the, then he said, Da Costa, so what are we going to do? Say, when we, we are going to run. Lunch time when people are, we are going to run through. They said, run through. They said, what to shoot, put the water on everybody. <laughs> hey. So Da Costa and the guys we gathered started running. And you see, it was the hill. And they were running down the hill. They're running fast and throwing the thing. And you see, as you are running down a hill and throwing, your aim is not. It would be better if you are running up the hill than down, down the hill. So by the time midway into the flight, is it the, the running? They had they misfired every the, the things had burst all over the the the, the street. Everything they never killed anybody. And then by the time he got to the middle, they had caught him. Uh, so he became his name up to today. Da Costa Nostra. Da Costa Nostra. He has no strategy. <laughs> no, no strategy. He just wanted to be president by fire by force. But that's how choleric sanguines are. Even if I don't have a strategy, well, let's go. It's better than sitting here. No, the melancholic will sit and sit until defeat comes. Thinking, what if? But what if it works? Hallelujah. Listen, take a chance with the God, with the God of, your, of your strength, the God of your salvation. You know that this guy took a chance. David. What if running, running, and he's, uh, he, he fell? Running towards the giant. If he fell. Because I, I, don't, I don't care what you think. A spear is faster than a stone. And for a big guy like that to throw a javelin, the velocity and the speed that the, that javelin will be coming. It is not a stone business. <laughs> I, 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 you get me? I told you, me, I'm not very clever, so I read the Bible in picture form. And if, I, if you see that, no, this thing, it must be something more than just running. It must be something more than running. He, it means that he abandoned fear. Fear was not part of his, his vocabulary. Remember his brothers tried to dis, uh, they, uh, discourage him. Remember the king tried to discourage him. Everybody tried to say, oh, you are going, this is a suicide mission. But it's, it's like, I know the God I believe and I trust him. He was the same person that helped me kill the lion. Same person that helped me kill the bear. And he's going to do the same for me. And so he goes with that strength. He goes with that, that thing and his sanguinic, choleric nature. Because David was a sanguine and a choleric at the same time. 
Why do I know? For somebody to dance and his clothes come off, he must be a sanguine. Uh, when I say a sanguine, do you know who a sanguine is? A sanguine is the, man, the one in the heart of the party. The one who is like, have you seen Kiran? Yeah. Yeah. See, like, everybody's giving a testimony. When Kiran says, hey, you have to even listen very carefully before you can hear. Otherwise, it sounds like a joke. That's a sanguine. But uh, melancholy, we say, um, hey, this giant that we are going to face. If I run, okay, if I run through here, there are stones here. And uh, what if a nail pricks me as I'm running? Eesh, this guy too is big, oh. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean. This is not nine, nine feet. This is, I don't think it's nine. But just imagine if this was nine. And imagine a 17 year old boy. Probably shorter than me. So just imagine a melancholic. This thing. Listen, I know we believe in God, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's be real. This, you see, most often we don't succeed, not because God is not with us, but we don't succeed because we overanalyze. And when you overanalyze, that nine foot becomes 18 foot. Are you with me? The, the person's strength is over exaggerated. Remember when the melancholic group of people went to spy the land and they came. Immediately they said to Moses, now listen, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. We saw ourselves like grasshoppers and so did they see us. Listen, how many people did you interview and said that, who, how do I look like, how do you see me? And the person look at you as a grasshopper. How many people did they? How many people did they really interview that they said that no, you you are a grasshopper? No, it was your own imagination. You see, that is the melancholic nature. It's such that you always, you will always over exaggerate, overestimate the problem, and underestimate your your strength. And your potential. So when you are dealing with a melancholic all the time, you see that if you don't take care, you listen all the time, you do, you you won't move past here. Because the melancholic always boxes you. If you have a husband who is melancholic, you see you won't go past here. Because what if there's a lion here? What if there's a what if what if? And if you have a sanguine in charge, hey, let's go. Why are you dead? Say, oh, sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. But David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Let's read on. So David prevailed over the Philistine. Why are you? Why are you? Huh? 48. 
I didn't finish 48, then you moved to 49. He ran, okay, 49. David put his hand in the bag. Oh, okay, so you jumped to 40. You jumped, okay. So David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his head and he fell on his face. He, f- he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine and s- with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in his hand, in the hand of David. Hallelujah. This year, this decade, I prophesy to you that you are going to overcome the giants in your life. You are going to overcome anything, anything that looks impossible. You are going to run through. The Bible says, by our God, we have run through a troop. I see you running through a troop. Oh, I say, I see you running through impossible situations. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you that, listen, this decade, you are going to do certain things that you never thought it was possible. But it's going to be possible in the name of Jesus. Because God is desperate for your victory. More than you are. Hallelujah. God is desperate for your victory. Do you think God is happy any, every time uh, his children are defeated? No. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How, how many, how many said some things that is you, you will see this year? Give me a wave. You said some things that you will see this year. Hallelujah. To command the morning is to take authority over it. I'm giving the definition of the command and what you are supposed to be doing. To command the morning is to take authority over it. To command the morning is to cast out enemies from your day. Hallelujah. To command your morning means to destroy the weapons of the enemy. Are you writing them now? So to command the morning, the first one is to cast, take authority over it. The second one is to cast out the enemies. The third one is to destroy the weapons of the enemies. To command the morning is to take what belongs to you. Hallelujah. How many are receiving a powerful job this year? Stand to your feet. You are receiving a powerful job this year. To command the morning means to release blessings of the day upon your life. How many are re- I have some blessings this year for you? Blessing. How many are going to have build your own house? You are going to buy your own house this year. To command the money means to tell the enemies to take their hands off your life, off your marriage, off your, your education, off your work, off your finances. To command the morning means to disgrace the plans and the activities of the enemy. How many of you think that Goliath was very embarrassed even when he was dying? 
<laughs> you know, as he fell down, you know, I don't think he died immediately. I, I, I think as the stone sank into his head and it's like, oh, ah, <laughs> this fly has killed me. I, I, I'm, I, listen, I'm sure that Goliath will be very embarrassed. Really embarrassed. You see, to command the morning, to command the day, is to embarrass your enemy. Listen, let not any of your enemies rejoice this year. I say, let not any of your enemies rejoice this year. Embarrass them. I say, embarrass them. To command the morning means to kill and destroy the enemies and adversaries at the door before your breakthrough comes. The ones who are at the door of your breakthrough, you have to eradicate them. Hallelujah. Church, God has given us power. I said God has given us power. Luke 10, 19. How many are fired up for this year? I don't know about you, but I'm fired up for this year. I'm really fired up for this. Say, behold, I give you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions, over the power of the enemy, and nothing but enemies will hurt you. Hallelujah. That says the Lord to you, I have given you authority. I say, I've given you authority. I've given you authority to trample over serpents. You see, when anytime you see serpents, you've seen the Satan, you've seen the devil. To see scorpions over every principality and power, and nothing will by enemies hurt you. Amen. Look at what Elizabeth said, and I want us to say the same thing. Luke 145. Blessed is she who believed, for there is there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. Look at somebody and say, Blessed are you because you believe that there will be a fulfillment of the things which have been told you from God. If you believe it, put your hands together for the Lord.